eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always. It's the day before the day, or depending on when you listen to this, the day of the 123rd meeting between the Oregon Ducks and the Oregon State Beavers in the Civil War kickoff set for a crisp, Perfect 1 p.m. Pacific time start game will be broadcast on the Pac-12 networks. Ted Robinson, Yogi Roth, Jill Savage. The Pac-12 network and its pregame, postgame, in-game show will also be broadcasting from uh, Austin Stadium. So a big focus on this football game going into Civil War weekend. Uh, Oregon is 9-2 and coming in, 7-1 in Pac-12 play. Uh, they are 13th in the college football playoff rankings. Uh, Oregon State is five and six, four and four in the Pac-12. They're not ranked, but but the key thing here is they are fighting for bowl eligibility. If they win the Civil War, they will get 15 extra football practices. They will get an extra game. Uh, something that I don't think anyone outside of the people inside that locker room at Oregon State were expecting to happen this season. So, a game in which. Oregon, yes, they're coming off a, a, a very emotional, very difficult 31-28 loss at Arizona State last weekend, but they still have a ton to play for. They're playing for the Rose Bowl. They're playing for an opportunity to, to get back into the top 10. The Beavers are playing for that bowl eligibility, and all of a sudden this bowl game, or this, this Civil War game has morphed itself into a game in which I think there's going to be a lot of eyeballs in Eugene to see what is going on uh, and what's the outcome of this football game. Certainly more than it felt like there would be, I would say, even a couple of weeks ago. Um, we talked about it all week. Oregon State has really performed at a high level of, you know, of late, and I don't think we expected that. I know I certainly didn't. And, you know, I, I think Cristobal kind of nailed it in terms of this is a game where, where two teams are – Playing at a high level, there's a lot to play for. It's going to be an intense rivalry, and like I think he said, it's, it's exactly what you want from a rivalry game. It's, it's a game where both sides feel like they're going to be competitive with each other. Both sides have something that they need to accomplish by winning the game. Um, and, and I think we're going to see a really physical game that is going to come down to some kind of, we'll get to what it might come down to later in the podcast, but it's going to come down to some specific things. And, and I think I think Oregon's going to be challenged a little bit in this one. And I don't think I felt like I would be saying that even a couple of weeks ago, but you just kind of look at the head-to-head with Arizona State. I mean, Oregon State beat Arizona State in Corvallis a couple of weeks ago. Oregon just lost their first game, um, you know, since August to that same Arizona State team on the road. Um, you, know, you know, you just look at it from a common opponent perspective of late. You have to think Oregon State is at least sort of in the realm of competitiveness here. And I know the line is, 
is at around three scores, but I, I don't know if it's going to be that lopsided. And I think, I really, I really think it could go a couple different ways. I think Oregon could come out and just totally play the A plus game. And if they put it all together, I think Oregon's A plus game is, you know, probably three or four touchdowns better than Oregon State's A plus game. But I could also see a thing where maybe, maybe just that loss against, and we talked about it after the game, just, you can't let this beat you twice. So I, I, I'm really excited about kind of just seeing First off, a rivalry football game, but one where there's a lot on the line, and both teams are honestly playing about as well as you could ask them to be playing. I know Oregon just slipped up against Arizona State, but this is still a top 15 team. Uh, this is still a team that has some aspirations to possibly go to a Rose Bowl. So um, I think a really we're in for a really fun Saturday is kind of how I feel. The Beavers have some of the best players on offense and some of the best players defensively in the country. Um, offensively, I think. Everything starts and ends with Isaiah Hodgkins, the junior receiver. He's a six foot four player. He, he was a guy that, you know, he's been good since he showed up at Oregon State, but this season, uh, he's taken it to another level for the Beavers. And that's kind of, I think, what's helped, um, this group go from, you know, struggling each year, each week, game to game, but now they have the ability to quick strike and Hodgkins has just over a thousand yards receiving. He leads the conference in touchdowns with 13. He averages seven catches a game. His average of per reception is 13.92 yards. You know, he's just overall one of the best receivers across the board. And seeing how Oregon, uh, is going to defend a guy that, that's six foot four and can go across the middle like it's nobody's business, can go over the top, can, can play in the screen game. He's going to be a matchup, and we and we look. We saw Oregon's DB struggle last last week against Arizona State. Granted, I don't think Hodgkins has is close to the speed that a Brandon Ayuk has, but Oregon they their DBs struggled mightily. It didn't matter who they were guarding uh, against Arizona State, and Hodgkins is a different type of receiver. But from a skill set, from a talent perspective, he's just as good as anyone as, as ASU had. Uh, and seeing that matchup is going to be interesting to play out. Oregon's faced some really good wide receivers this season. I mean, you look at, I think that USC team probably has three guys that are going to play in the NFL. I would assume Ayuk's going to get an opportunity to play professionally. Hodgins is another player like that. And, um, so they've, Oregon's performed kind of, it's been a mixed bag. There have been games where I think you come away really impressed. I thought the USC game, they did a good job of keeping everything in front of them outside of a couple of early drives. They really kind of stopped a lot of those guys. Obviously, Arizona State was the opposite. This is going to be a big test again, and it's and it's, it's not just him, but he is the the primary guy. Like you look at the stats for Oregon State, at, you know, in terms of receiving, he has 1,086 yards, 13 touchdowns. No other guy on the team has more than 435 yards. Nobody has more than three touchdowns. So um, this is not like USC where you've got kind of a three-headed juggernaut monster. It, it is kind of Hodgins and then the rest of the guys. Um, I think he does pose some challenges, and, but I'll also say, I think the wake-up call Oregon secondary got. With Ayuk and with, we should say, Frank Darby also beat them over the top a couple times for, for touchdowns. Um, I would imagine would have a positive effect in terms of how they're going to perform on Saturday this week because, frankly, there were, you know, Oregon didn't lose that game entirely because of the 81 yard touchdown or the 56 yard touchdown or the 47 yard screen pass. Um, but those plays were certainly pivotal. And I think those defensive backs have been hearing all week about, like, Gosh, we didn't play well enough to win that game, and I'm sure that they take ownership of that. 
Um, and I think they're going to come into this game motivated. And I, I really do think if they play at a high level, they can find solutions to, to slow him down. Um, you know, last year's game uh, against Oregon State, he was on the team that year. Obviously, that offense was not performing at a very high level um, coming into that game, but Oregon did a pretty decent job on him in that one. So I, I would think uh, this will be a game where, where they'll be up against a tough task. I think they're going to be able to find some answers for him, but I also think I felt the same way last week about Arizona State, and look what happened. So, uh, you know, I, I it's been an interesting season for that secondary because there have been weeks where they've just looked basically like no one can throw on them, and then there have been other weeks where it's like maybe Ooh. they're not quite as good. Yeah, so... Uh, I, I think that's maybe one of the things adding the intrigue is like we've been talking all season about how good these corners are and how good they are at safety, but um, they've had these moments of late that haven't been particularly impressive, and, and they're going to be challenged, I think. They definitely are going to be challenged on Saturday by, by Hodgins and also Luton, who's statistically this season is, is really one of the conference's better quarterbacks, and I think that's been quiet. You know, you look at him this season, 62% completion percentage isn't amazing, but 28 touchdown passes, only three interceptions. He's thrown for almost 3,000 yards, so... Um, he's a confident quarterback. I don't think he's a quarterback who's necessarily going to beat you up and down the field like we saw with Jaden Daniels, but I also think he's somebody who's probably not going to make a ton of mistakes, going to be kind of a game manager. So uh, I'll be very curious to see. I think that's one of the keys for me is just like, is Oregon able to slow down Oregon State's path attack? Because if they can't, this game gets really interesting. If they do, I think it could be in for a long game for Oregon State. All right, we've we've talked to this team. Um, you've talked to a lot of the players. You've gotten uh, – FaceTime with both coordinators, also head coach Mario Cristobal. Um, where do you feel like this team is at mentally going into this week? You know, they're saying all the right things, right? And Drayton Karlberg, I asked him straight up, like, does it feel different this week? And he said, no, it just feels like we had to deal with some adversity, and now it's time to continue that same 1-0 mentality. So they're, they're focusing in on the right things. Now, it's one thing to say it, and it's one thing to do it. Um, I, I don't think they've lost or to Arizona State because they were overlooking them. I, I know that was like a narrative I saw pushed online. I don't buy into that. Um, but I think this is a group that maybe maybe is susceptible to being a little bit down just because that loss last week was really, really hard. Um, but I didn't get anything from players or from coaches that like jumps out of like, uh-oh, they're not, they're looking past this one or uh-oh, they don't seem like they're all right mentally. I, I expect we're going to see them come in and play at a high level. Um, but I also expected the same thing last week against Arizona State, and, and look what happened. So it, it, I guess it's hard to say, but like I said, I, I haven't heard anything that was like, like they, they said the stuff you expect them to say, and now it's a matter of going out and doing it is what I guess I'll say. What has the, in your opinion, has the confidence changed at all that this is going to be a win since I, I, no, yeah, the beginning of the get, year? I didn't get any from like from me. Or are you talking about from the players or just from me personally? From you, from you. Um, I expect Oregon's going to win this game. I do. I still think they're more talented. Um, you know, and I think one thing is like Oregon just went lost the game on the road to a team that has some talent by three points. That should not be something that discounts the fact that they had previously won nine straight games, including blowouts over a lot of teams. You know, they went in and they hammered Colorado. They hammered USC. They hammered Arizona. I know the score doesn't look like it, but they beat Stanford very dominantly this year, and they beat California, albeit 17-7. to That was not a game late that was really um, all that competitive. So, like, I think people are, are like, kind of overlooking the fact that this is an Oregon team that, like, obviously it was a really devastating loss at Tempe last week. Um, it's going to be one of those losses that, 
depending on how the end of the season goes, will be one that we kind of point to and talk about probably for a couple years to come here. But I, I don't look at this Oregon team and think like, oh, this is going to be a complete implosion moment. It could happen. Like, like it's not out of the realm of possibilities that they could lose this game and then it leads to Utah and then all of a sudden you look up at the bowl game and they're a chance they're going to be nine and four. Um, this, or sorry, sorry, nine and five at this season. But I, I don't, I don't, I can't discount what they did previously. And we should say also when they played at home this season, they really haven't been challenged all that much. You look through it here. The only game that's really one that kind of came down to the wire was obviously that Washington State game where they need a late, the last second field goal. Um, but they've taken care of business at home pretty good this season. It's been games on the road that, for the most part, have been the ones where they've been challenged. So I, I still feel very good about them winning this game. My confidence in the margin of victory has probably changed a little bit because Oregon State's been a little better of late, and Oregon showed last week that they aren't, in, you know, kind of invincible. Um, and that's the way the season goes is, you know, it, it, for so long and so many weeks we're talking about, like, all the college football playoff scenarios – and suddenly that talk fades because that's not a realistic possibility anymore. And I think it kind of becomes a black and white, oh, you're either a college football caliber team or not. And if you aren't, you're not very good. But that's not true. I still think this Oregon team is very talented. They still have a chance to make this a very special special season. If they are to beat Oregon State, then go win the Pac-12 championship over Utah and then play in a Rose Bowl and win that game, you'd look up and this would be a 12-2 and season um, in which they won the conference in a Rose Bowl. And that would be, I think, one of the most you know impressive seasons in a very long time for this program and one of maybe the better seasons just historically. So uh, still a lot to play for. And I, I have not jumped all the way off the bandwagon. I hope fans haven't either. I know it was frustrating what happened in Tempe last week, but remember that this is a team that has also had won nine straight games that has some very, very talented players and has, has proven time in and time out that they're going to be competitive, which is why I just don't see them rolling over this week and, and, and not being competitive. Yeah. I, you, you brought up the, the home, Home success. Oregon this season is six and zero on the year at home. They've outscored its opponents two hundred and forty five to sixty. That's a forty point eight to ten point margin, including one hundred and twenty seven to twenty one in the second halves of football games uh, this season at Austin Stadium. And the defense has been really good. They've allowed just points on back to back drives just three times at home, and has allowed just two touchdowns in thirty eight second half drives while coming away with six interceptions in the final 30 minutes. Um, the Ducks have a chance at some history here. Oregon has put together just seven unbeaten seasons at Austin Stadium since it opened in 1967, and only three uh, of those are years in which Oregon went 7-0. and So Oregon could go in and, you know, they they could give the, the program its eighth unbeaten uh, record at home in a season uh, and just its fourth where they've won seven or more games uh, at home in the regular season. So there's still a lot to play for, a lot to, to, to take into account. And I think there's some confidence and some comfort knowing that this game is at home and not on the road. If it was a road game, um, if the schedules were reversed and it was Oregon having to play two, you know, back to back road games to end the season, that's where I might have a little bit of some shaky confidence going into a research stadium, trying to get bowl eligible of a team that almost won at Washington State the week before and Oregon coming off with a, that type of a loss that they had. But being the fact that this is a home game, this is a senior day game where there's, you know, Herbert's going to get announced for the final time. Troy Dye is going to get announced for the final time. Um, a lot of other seniors have gone through a lot. I think that's going to be a huge driving factor 
uh, for this football game. So, all right, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back on the Austin Audible's podcast. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome back to the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prame. Eric Scopel is with me as always. And Eric, um, before we get into our bold predictions and score prediction for this football game, let's just kind of look at maybe some of the keys to this football game. Um, I'll start things off. I, I think first and foremost, a big reason why Oregon uh, did not win that game at Arizona State was because they could not generate consistent pressure on Jaden Daniels throwing the football. Um, in the first half, I, what was Daniels, 12 for 12? Uh, yeah, he, started, he completed his first 12 passes. I think his first incompletion was like a Hail Mary through the back of the end zone at the end yep. of the first half. It was, I mean, and that's how you'd want a streak to end. You know, he, he didn't take a single risk on that throw and just threw it out of the back of the end zone to prevent an interception. Um, he, he had a couple touchdown passes, and he, he was he was unbelievable. Yep. against Oregon uh, in that football game, hands down. And I think a big reason why the success that Oregon, uh, Arizona State had on Oregon was because of the lack of pressure. And now you're playing another quarterback in, in Jake Luton who, look, you look at the, the conference's best throwers uh, in this in this year and guys that haven't thrown interceptions, and he's up there. It's, you know, Huntley's thrown two. Um, Jaden Daniels has thrown two. Uh, and then Jake Luton has thrown three interceptions. You know, he does not turn the football over. He, he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't put his team in poor situations. He doesn't fumble the football. And if, if you can't get pressure on Jake Luton, uh, you're going to give this receiving core at, at Oregon State plenty of time to get open. And believe me, they will. I don't care how good of a receiving core you have. Uh, defensive back group you have. If you if you have to consistently cover guys for four, five, six, seven, eight seconds, eventually someone will get open. And Oregon State has the, the receivers to, to to make you pay for that. So Oregon's got to get pressure uh, on Jake Luton and, and get him out of the pocket. Like Angie said earlier this week, he's not the, the most nimble guy. And so getting him having to throw on on the move, rushing his timing, rushing all of that, that's going to be really important for, for Oregon to get the victory. These two go hand in hand, but I, and I absolutely agree with the, like getting after the quarterback. But how about this? Oregon was leading the country in turnover margin uh, not that long ago, but the last two weeks against Arizona and Arizona State, zero turnovers forced. Um, that's a big part of why they lost against Arizona State. They lost the turnover battle. It's not something that happens very often for this Oregon team this year. They've won 
basically every one of those all season. So to lose that one, 2 nothing, and both the interceptions for Herbert came in the second half, obviously led directly to Arizona State points. But, like, I look at that and I go, you, you know, you look at the, the, the way that they picked off opposing quarterbacks the first nine games of the season. They had two against Auburn, two against Nevada, one against Montana, one against Stanford, two against Cal, four against Colorado. Didn't have a single one against Washington, and that was a close game. Two against Washington State, three against USC, and then back-to-back weeks, no interceptions. Uh, they've got to find ways to force turnovers. They've got to find ways to make things difficult for Oregon State because Oregon State offensively has been so good this season. And I just think, like you said about not getting after the quarterback, if you can't force them to make some mistakes, you're in for a long day because they have that offense that's capable of driving the field if you aren't able to take the ball out of their hands. All right, let's let's go into some of our bold predictions now. Um, I'll I'll start things off with with my first one. Um, I'm I'm looking at this game and and I think Oregon's gonna go back to its its bread and butter. I think where Oregon all of a sudden is um they 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 will lean on on the run game. I think they will lean on uh the run setting up the pass for their rushing attack and their passing attack. And overall, um, I think Oregon's going to go over 500 yards of total offense, but I think it starts with the running game. Um, it, it might be a game in which, you know, the, the the Ducks run for over 250 yards. I mean, you look at some of the better running teams in the conference. Washington, they ran for 245. Utah ran for 256. UCLA went for 256. Uh, even Cal Poly found a way to run for 203 yards against this Beaver team. Now, granted, Arizona State only ran for 74. Uh, Washington State ran for 35, but they don't run the, the ball all that much. So, you know, I, I think there's going to be a situation where Oregon's going to put up a lot of yards. And you look across the season this year, the Beavers have given up, have had three games where they've allowed over 500 yards of total offense. Last week, the Cougars had 641 Um but they've had a couple other close calls, you know, 488 at Hawaii, uh, 492 at UCLA. So this is a Beaver team. Their defense still has issues. They still have concerns. Opponents are still getting 6.1 yards per carry. So I think Oregon's offense is going to have a big day. They're going to go over 500, and it's going to be the run game that kind of sets them up. And let's not forget that last year in Corvallis, Oregon ran for 392 yards, which is an unbelievable number um, in that 55 to 15 win. Uh, you look back at that game; they almost had 200, two 100-yard rushers. Travis Dye had 199 and two touchdowns. Verdell had 187 and four touchdowns. Um, that leads me to my first one, which I think Verdell runs over 150 yards. He's done that two other times this season. Um, Obviously, the 250 yards plus against Washington State and then 170 against Colorado. I think if he stays healthy and he's able to finish this game, there's going to be a lot of yards available for him uh, on the ground. I'm sticking with you. My my second one is also a, a C.J. Verdell one. We're very, very similar here. I don't know if he's going to set his career record for rushing yards at 257, but I think I think he goes over 200 in, in, in this game. Uh, wow. if, if he stays healthy... He's, he's going to go over 200 yards. Uh, I, I just have this, this theory that, you know, Oregon's going to run the football maybe 40, 45 times, uh, against the Beavers. And I think Verdell's going to get a bulk of the load, uh, and he's going to go over 200 yards rushing. Um, 
you, we'll, we'll stick on the Oregon offense here. The rest of them are, are kind of defensive related things, but I think Justin Herbert, probably his, two of his worst decisions all season came in that fourth quarter against Arizona State. Two really bad interceptions that were very costly. You could tell he was struggling after the game. That was, that was as emotional or I, I guess as kind of down as I've seen him in a long time. And it makes sense after a loss, but I think he's going to have a big bounce back game, right? This is his last civil war. And he didn't play in last year's Civil War outside of the first half. Um, but it's also his last game at Autzen Stadium. And he's a Eugene guy. And I just would be shocked if he comes out and lays a dud as a Eugene native playing in his last game at Autzen Stadium in his last Civil War. I just don't see it happening. I think he's going to have a, a brilliant final game at Autzen, his last hurrah there. He's going to win a Civil War game. Throw four touchdowns, no picks. Um, yeah, so my prediction is four touchdowns, no picks. I, I, I genuinely would be shocked if he comes out and is erratic. I think he's going to be dialed in it for this one. I'll stick with the offense here. Johnny, Johnny Johnson has all of a sudden, you know, he had just like 250 yards receiving or something like that last year as a sophomore. And against the Sun Devils, he had over 200 yards of, of receiving yards. He's now 11th in the conference with 692. Um, I, I think... Johnny Johnson's gonna have another game that people are gonna go, whoa, like we're, that's a hell of a run. That's a, that's a big game. And I don't know if he's necessarily gonna go over 200 receiving yards, but if Jalen Red cannot go in this football game and Oregon has to, to rely a little bit even more on Johnny Johnson, I think he's gonna catch a lot of screen passes. Uh, they're gonna go with to the left side with Panay Sewell. So I'm, I'm gonna say Johnny Johnson has another 100-yard performance through the air, and another game in which he scores a touchdown or, or maybe even two. Um, and here's the thing. He's had zero games of 100 yards receiving up until last week when he went for 207. I think he does it. He has 100 yards for now, a second straight week after not doing it for essentially three three whole years of football. Well, I, I was going to say, we talked about this not that long ago about, is it possible that John Johnson goes over 1,000 yards receiving? Cause he's, he's, if he averages 100 yards his final three games, he'll get there. Matt, you kind of were uncertain of that. Are you sort of changing your tune a little bit, or do you still think that's kind of a lot to ask? I, I think that's a lot to ask just because of the quality of opponent they're going to play the next two weeks after, after Oregon State. Right. Um, Utah's DBs are really, really good. And especially if Jalen, Jalen Red's not healthy and can't play in that game, um, that would make things very difficult for, for, for Giant Johnson and then whoever they play in the bowl game. But look, it's, it, it's not going to, I mean, what, what happens if he comes out and has like 180 against yeah, the Beavers? Exactly. I mean, that, that makes it much more manageable in the last two games to get over a thousand for sure. And then, then, yeah, I think this weekend will really kind of tell us, obviously, if he does what I've, predicted then yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a legit possibility but if he struggles and doesn't have a good game then yeah it's gonna be hard all right my third one here is not a positive one for Oregon I think Isaiah Hodgins is gonna score a couple touchdowns I think he's gonna get two um he's a very very good player he has 13 touchdowns this season that's a over a one touchdown per game average um and he's a talented player he's gonna be one of the more talented receivers Oregon has faced all season uh, I think Oregon will be better defensively. I do think they'll be, and we'll get to a couple of my predictions later. But I, I think they are going to have some struggles um, in terms of defending him in particular. I don't know if he's going to have 
an amazing game. I don't know if he's going to go for 150 or 180 like we're talking about Johnny Johnson, but I think he's going to find the end zone a couple times. When Oregon State gets down around the goal line with his size and his ability to jump over defensive backs, I think that poses a problem, and I, I expect he's going to find the end zone a couple of times in this Civil War. Okay, we talked about it earlier um, on the show that, that this defense has not created any kind of um, turnovers last two weeks. I think that ends, uh, that streak ends against the Beavers. I'm going to go with Oregon's defense creating at least three turnovers. I don't know if it's, if it's going to be interceptions or fumbles or more muff punts, what kickoffs, something. Uh, I, I, I just see this Oregon defense getting back on track at home, creating three turnovers in this football game. We should mention that the weather forecast right now has no rain in it from what I've seen, but it will be a cold day. Maybe it is a game where things get sloppy. I had something similar. Jake Luton, we said earlier, only has three picks all season. I think Oregon's going to get two off of him, kind of the same reasoning you have there in terms of this is a defense that has been so good at forcing turnovers all season. They've had kind of a step back the last couple of weeks in that regard. I think they get back on the right track. I think Jake Luton maybe tries to force it in some moments here, knowing that they need to make the big play and Oregon capitalizes off some mistakes. Okay, for for my last one, people have said, oh, he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. Not so fast to pull a lead oh, no. so. Oh, not no. so fast. Uh, Justin Herbert's going to complete a touchdown pass to a new receiver for the 25th time in his career. And I think it's going to be a Herbert to Herbert. We're, we're going to see Patrick Herbert catch a touchdown pass from Justin Herbert that's going to be the final throw, the final pass, uh, touchdown pass, final play that Justin Herbert will have uh, in this football game. I think in the third quarter, late third quarter, some 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 part, uh, Patrick Herbert will catch a touchdown pass from Justin Herbert. Wow, you you ended with some like some, that'll be a very poetic end to his career of, at at Austin Stadium. His last play is a touchdown pass to his brother, which would be his brother's first reception and also his first touchdown. That would be. Uh, that's a bold one. I like it. Uh, that, and, I'm, and I'm hoping you're right because that, that's a story that writes itself there, and it would be honestly really, really cool. I think we've all been kind of waiting for that to happen. It's not frequent that you have a star player like Justin Herbert playing with his brother who plays on the same side of the football um, like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on board for that one. I'm not making that prediction, but I'm on board. I'm in full support. <laughs> it's almost too bold for me. Um, my, my, my fifth one is – we talked earlier on the show about uh, Hamaclaw Rashad or Rashad and just his ability to get after the quarterback, second nationally in sacks, first in tackles for loss. I think Oregon does a good job of mitigating him, and I'm saying no sacks for him in this game. Um, that is something that has only happened three times this season, which is pretty impressive, against Utah, against Washington, and against Oklahoma State. Those happen to probably be the three best teams Oregon State has faced. Oregon is definitely on that same kind of caliber, at least with, especially with Washington and Oklahoma State. And I, I think against Utah, we'll see in a week if that's true. But um, this is a guy who's had five times he's had multiple sacks. He had three against Arizona not that long ago. I think Oregon is able to stop him from getting a single sack this season. And to me, that's a victory. All right. Game predictions now, right? That's right. You want to go first? Sure, I will. Um, Oregon wins. I, I, I didn't really debate the result. I kind of just debated the margin and kind of the way the game would play out in my head. 
I think Oregon wins. I have 48-35. to 35. So it's only a two-score game. I think it's a competitive game throughout. I think um, it's going to be somewhat high-scoring. Uh, you look at the way Oregon State has played this season, they've been able to put points up against just about everybody besides Utah and Washington. I think Oregon is on par with those teams defensively. But I could, I just think this game means so much to Oregon State that they're going to score some points. And because they're able to score some points, Oregon is going to be forced uh, to really have to move the ball up and down the field. I think Oregon has a big day offensively as well. And I think they score 48 points in a 48-35 win. Um, that moves them into a position going into the game with Utah with a little bit more momentum than they have right now. All right. I literally, the reason why I made you pick first, because I hadn't decided yet. I've, I've gone back and forth. On a couple of numbers, I think it's, I'm with you. There's going to be a lot of points scored in this football game. Um, over 70 in my mind. I think Oregon walks out of this game with their offense feeling really good. Their defense feeling like we kind of let a couple big plays happen that we shouldn't have, shouldn't allow, but overall we played well. Uh, Oregon walks out of Austin Stadium with their 10th win of the season, uh, to finish the regular season 10 and 2. They go eight and one in conference play with a 52 to 24 victory, uh, over the Oregon State Beavers and everyone is back to feeling good about themselves again. And that's all that matters, right, Matt? Isn't that we want everybody to feel good about themselves? So let's, let's root for Matt's prediction then. <laughs> sure, sure. Everyone get a participation point as well. So. Yay! <laughs> all right. That's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's shows. Uh, we will have full coverage. Before the game, during the game, post-game, as well from Autzen Stadium in the press box there. Uh, Eric and I will have a post-game podcast reflecting on a win or a loss. I think Eric and I are both expecting big wins for Oregon. Um, we'll see if it's another shocker. Uh, and then we've got your coverage all the way leading up to the Pac-12 championship game, which is a week away today. So for Eric Scopel, myself, Matt Brame, thanks for listening to the Autzen Audible's podcast. Adios, amigos. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.